0: Hello, and welcome to Episode 3 of the Having a Merry Heart Podcast with Joanna Weaver. In today's episode, I'm going to be speaking with Emily Freeman. Emily is a wife and mother of three, as well as the author of four incredible books. And today, we're going to be talking about letting go of the try-hard life and I am so excited to have as my guest today, um, Emily Freeman. Hi, Emily. Welcome.
1: Hi, Joanna. I'm so glad to be here.
0: Uh, you know, I came across your name in the Christian bookstore a couple of years ago when your first book, I believe it was, came out, Grace for the Good Girl. Is that yep. right? Let me. That's right. That's it. Oh my goodness. And it just captured me because I'm, that's kind of my testimony. Like mm. I'm a recovering good girl. That's right. I I still want to be good. Yeah. But I got lost in my own goodness and really missed the grace of God. And so um, we're in the middle of this kind of a refresh campaign for having a merry heart in a Martha world. And you know, Martha, bless her heart. I think she was like the original good girl. Right. (laughs) She was so busy serving Jesus. She never really got around to knowing Jesus. And so I just thought, I really want to have Emily on. And, and because, you know, I read your blog, uh, chatting at the sky, Mm -hmm. and I just love your honesty. So can you just kind of talk about your journey and, and what, uh, what your journey to grace has been looked like?
1: You know, it's funny. Um, I feel like I I, I feel like I was born a good girl, but I don't even know if that's possible. (laughs) I I would always look at friends of mine who would just sort of like do little things at first. That's how it started. They would do little things that sort of breaking the rules that maybe you would even say were rules. We're just like sort of being stinkers. Like I couldn't do it and I just could never, I didn't have it in me. And I would almost look longingly, right? You too. I'm Totally. I I would look longingly at these people who could sort of like just have a little fun, you know? So I just became... I became known sort of as the one who would follow the rules. And, Uh um, you know, once I got into high school, I was sort of the one who, even though I was still good friends with the girls who were sort of maybe like partying on the weekends. They were my dear friends. Yes. But I wouldn't really engage, but I would show up and make sure they were safe and okay. You know, <laughs> was like, that was my job. I felt really responsible. So in a way, I guess, you know, you could look back and be like, well, you weren't that good. You were still there at the places, you know. <laughs> but I just felt like this, you know, responsibility. And I think yeah. that's sort of the heart of it is that deep mm-hmm. down. Um, even though I accepted Jesus when I was seven, and I think mm-hmm. I knew what that meant at the time, I think that it just sort of became—I um, I felt like I accepted Him, and I and I knew Him, and it was a relationship, right? But then I sort of thought the rest was up to me. Yeah. And the problem with that is it's not the gospel. First problem. Amen. But the second problem is that I didn't know that. And so when you believe a lie, you live out of it. And so that sort of became my, I call my try hard life. Yeah. And I just sort of lived life for many years as if it was my responsibility to not perform from my great acceptance in Jesus, but to perform for oh. acceptance from Jesus. And let me tell you what a difference that makes when you know Oh. That really distinct difference.
0: Girl, you, you've just given my testimony. That's just exactly it. I mean, um, it was like, I really understood that I was saved by grace. Right. I, I yeah. knew that I had heaven by grace, but I really kind of thought the rest was up to me. Yep. And so I tried hard and I, you know, do good, be good, do good, be good. But that really didn't satisfy because no matter how good you are, there's always that one mistake. And then boom, right. you're yeah. down at the bottom, trying to trying to earn your way into God's favor again.
1: And it, it was, was it's such a cycle because the problem is that when you do really well and you perform well, and then it's like my pride would flare up and it was all mine. <laughs> but then when you fail and you mess up, then you, the shame comes in and it's exactly. all me. And meanwhile, Jesus isn't even in the room. Um, and I felt like, in some ways, in the back of my mind, I knew that I was saved by grace, just like you said. Mm-hmm. But I think I, in some ways, thought because I performed pretty good and was in comparison to other people right. that I compared myself to, I thought I was doing a good job. I wasn't really sure that I needed God's grace because I didn't understand the essence of what it was all about. And that's a dangerous place to be.
0: Oh, exactly. Because honestly, we, we don't understand the good news. Because we secretly don't really believe that we need a savior.
1: Yeah. You know? I, re- I remember I, I went to Bible college. My freshman year was, I started at Bible college. I was only there two years. I transferred to another university after that. But I remember distinctly, I had my, you know, you start out in school, you have your new fresh planner and you get your syllabus <laughs> and you're already like any good girl with all the different colored highlighters and, you know, and I remember thinking like, this semester, I'm really going to work on the fruits of the spirit, and so I wrote on my planner on a Monday. Monday, love. This week, I'm going to work on love, and then the next week it's going to be joy, and the next week it's going to be peace. I mean, love, joy, peace, patience, right? I went sure. through all of them, thinking You're just like knocking them off. I'm going to tackle this by Christmas, <laughs> right? I'm not kidding. This is like a real thing that I for real did, and I've, it's funny because I've actually shared that story at some women's events, and I've I've I can see in the audience the women who have done yes. this too. So it's not just me. They like nudge their friends, or they like put their head down, and <laughs> I realize like, okay, I'm not alone. This is not just me. But I remember doing that and having putting it on a Monday, and by Monday before lunchtime, I was like, that's it. Christian life is impossible. This is not possible.
0: You know. That's. That's the problem. Yeah. Either we feel inordinately proud or we feel absolute despair because yes. it's just too hard. And how could you require of this of me? And and you know, I think that's the thing, it's like when I finally came to the end of myself, when God didn't let me really get all of those fruit of the spirit, mm-hmm. I had this prayer that I prayed. I prayed that I would be perfect by the time I was 30.
1: Oh, did it work? <laughs> yeah, no,
0: no, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> However, you know, I think I what I love about Jesus is he did see the intent of my heart. Mm-hmm. He knew that I really, it wasn't about just only about me. I mean, I really still have a need to be way, way more than I am. Desperate need. But but he saw my intent really was to please him. And so he took me on a journey where I didn't, I didn't arrive at 30 as much as I wanted to, but he did reveal his grace. Yes. And that's, it it came through the, it came through crashing. It came through coming to the end of myself like you did and realizing this is way too hard.
1: How, How can anyone hope to do this? And, you know, it's funny because I think that statement, this is way too hard. How can anyone hope to do this? I think when when God hears us utter that in our soul, he says, finally, she gets it. Because yes. he himself, that's why he had to come. It's because we can't do it. And that's one thing that as I've looked back on, you know, my sort of my more pre-recovering good girl days, my, my when I was living sort of that way and not understanding the fullness of the gospel and that I've been made a new creation in Christ, Yes, um, is that I, I've looked back and realized, oh, the fruit of the spirit, it's the fruit of the spirit. It's yes. his spirit and he lives yes. within me. And so I've been made whole um, and anything that comes out of me that is loving or mm-hmm. joyful or peace or patient. It all comes from him. And that has been such a great relief. And that in a nutshell is really my story of understanding grace is recognizing the source of my goodness is Christ. Amen. Amen.
0: Which is such incredible good news. Because Absolutely, it's not like we just sit back and go, "Okay, God, lay it on me." <laughs> we have to cooperate with the grace. But I want to come back because I think you you just you mentioned real quick just this whole idea of shame and guilt and mm-hmm. um, how how often we operate under under that. And I. I I'm walking through a journey into freedom from shame that I never thought I needed. I I, I shouldn't say I never, never thought I needed, but I thought I was beyond it. And now it's like God's going, no, there's another layer. There's a deeper work that I want to do in you. And I, I'd love to have you talk about that. What's, you know, we know what we ought to be and we feel so terribly guilty when we don't, but then Mm -hmm. shame comes and loads on the guilt. And can you talk about the difference between the two?
1: Well, I think it's, um, there's a fine line. And I think a lot of times in church circles, we use the words guilt and shame interchangeably. Mm-hmm. I really think they are distinctly different in my own experience and sort of from what I've read and kind of just discovered in life. Um, and maybe this will help think about it is that I think guilt can be a really good thing. I think yes. guilt is how we know that we're maybe on the wrong track. Right? Uh, guilt can be a great gift mm-hmm. because we know, okay, this is the this is not how I want to be living right. or doing. It's, it's a reminder reminder. um it's not a reminder of identity it's a reminder of activity and it's about something maybe outside of me that has been done that needs to be changed or maybe it's a mindset or or something like this shame on the other hand is a lot more sneaky while guilt I think comes and knocks on the front door I I think shame sneaks in the back window and shame uh Maybe takes up residence within us without us recognizing that it's there. And while guilt points to our behavior, shame sh- shame points to our identity wow. and it attacks our identity. And so some that's why sometimes we say, "I just have this overwhelming sense that something's wrong with me. Yes. Or I'm just not right. That's not guilt, that's shame. And our Father doesn't speak words of shame; He speaks words of love and of acceptance and of belonging. Mm-hmm. And so, when I'm, I think Jesus is really kind to us, and I think He's very specific. And so, if there's something that He wants to tell us and mm-hmm. let us know that's not right in our lives, I think He'll let us know yeah. very specifically. And it's like a we can name it. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, you can't name shame; it just yeah. feels like a cloud, like a fog. So I don't know if that makes sense. But when I recognize the difference between guilt and shame, um, it's been very freeing because I can eat more easily sort of um, recognize the shame. Right. Rather than just like, oh, well, I think I'm just, something's wrong with me. And I, I don't know what it is. And then you just have this, this cloud of discouragement over you. Right. I don't think that's not from our father.
0: Amen. Amen. Do you ever find um, sometimes it's not even just the enemy who shames me? But my own flesh, yeah. Where, where some the thing that I think is interesting is uh, maybe there's someone listening to this and they go, I am so not a good girl. I'm a terrible girl. Yeah. And so shame still haunts them. I think it's interesting that shame haunts the good girl as well. You know? Oh, absolutely. Nothing is ever enough that I should always be more than I am. And so I find that like my good girl tendencies, really, if you unpack it all, it's really my flesh woman. She Mm -hmm. just kind of likes the strokes. Of being perfect. She wants everyone to think good things about her and believe good things about her. And so, so sometimes even my flesh will piggyback on, on even conviction from the Holy Spirit, where Mm -hmm. God points his finger and it's good guilt, like you're talking about, but then my flesh overplays it and turns it into condemnation and self-hatred. And how do you, how do you beat that? How do you break that, that hold of shame?
1: It's such a great question, and I wish I had three great steps that I could <laughs> share because then I'd be really rich <laughs> <laughs> yes wouldn't we all uh-huh. but it, it all comes back to relationship and let me tell you what I've learned um especially the past maybe the past couple of years I've really been learning um in this in this fast moving world uh it's really in the small moments where I find healing and mm-hmm. I feel like our, our soul and our schedule don't follow the same rules. Mm. And so uh, my schedule speaks a language that my soul can't process. And so when my schedule is going and going faster mm. and faster, um, shame has more opportunity to take hold. Ooh, that's good. And so I feel like the way to combat that is to put, push the brakes and to find a little bit of time uh, in the day to sit in the quiet because what I discovered is, um, it, well, if you think about our houses, so our houses, when we want to declutter the house, yeah. we feel like things have gotten out of hand. The garage mm-hmm. is up to here. I'm I'm borderline hoarding, like what is happening? <laughs> and you realize like, okay, Saturday, we're going to have a clean out day. We're going to declutter. And we all know what that means. right? But when it comes to the level of our soul, what does it look like to declutter all that excess information, mm-hmm. all that shame that's clinging to us? And I think that silence is to 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 the soul as decluttering is to your home. I think silence gives us space to sort of uh, let the shame rise to the surface, which can be very scary because our tendency is when we feel negative emotions or we hear something scary on the inside, our tendency is to stuff it down and to get busy. But if we allow ourselves the silence in the presence of God to let those thoughts rise to the surface and then release them into his presence, trusting him with the outcome, right. that's the first step. And and as I've, I say it's the first step, but then I realize as I get up and go on with my, with my day, sometimes that's the only step needed. Yes. Because he's yes. with me, and now I know it,
0: you know? See, that's the thing. That's the thing. I mean, the news of the gospel— is not just at the moment of salvation. It's mm-hmm. for every single moment of every single day. And if we confess our sins, mm-hmm. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness. But if I, if I just obsess about the fact I have sin and never okay. get around to surrendering it, like you're saying, just bringing it into the light and agreeing with the diagnosis, right? <laughs> I don't want it anymore. Yes then the Lord can walk into that place and mm-hmm. he can bring the freedom and the healing we need. But if I'm just kind of just obsessing about my sin rather than confessing my sin, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to miss the freedom. I love what you just said about finding that silent place that can you give us a little peek into what that looks like for you in your time with the Lord?
1: Yeah. You know, it's never one thing. And every day, I mean, I've got three kids. We've got twin girls who are in seventh grade and then our son is in fourth grade. And my husband and I both kind of work in and out from home. He's the director of a nonprofit. So he's sort of set his own schedule and then I write. And so I'm working from home. And so our days don't always look exactly the same. I'm sure that you can relate. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know? So, I mean, um, when I get up in the morning, a lot of times that John, my husband, John, he just is an early riser. He gets up in like the fours. I'm not kidding uh, you. mine too. And it's, it's like, what is that? I don't know. Well, It could be
0: that their name is John. Cause mine oh, is John. <laughs> really? <laughs> That's funny. <laughs>
1: That could be it. That's probably it. But I so sometimes I'll get up in the fives, maybe, but not that is not my typical. Um I think there was a time maybe in college in early my early married days when I thought sort of a quote unquote quiet time, which by the way, I don't love that phrase. It sounds like something you do in kindergarten. Um, but like my time with the Lord, I thought it had to look a certain way. And now I'm realizing that um It really, it gets to look however things look in relationships. Sometimes that's messy. Sometimes you have longer time, sometimes you have shorter time. Mm -hmm. But one uh, small tip that has helped me um, and that has helped to ground me and keep me still is um, I sometimes will take an empty bowl. And I keep one in my office where I sit with my, in my morning chair and I'll take an empty bowl and I'll hold it in my hands and I set my iPhone timer for just five minutes. Mm. And during that five minutes, I try to close my eyes because it just keeps out the distraction. I'll hold that bowl and all I do, sometimes I don't even pray, Joanna, but I will sit in the presence of God. Mm. I'll pray in my spirit, but maybe not so much with words. Wow. And I'll just allow myself to be still and quiet. And that empty bowl reminds me that my soul was not made to bear weight, but my soul is meant to receive from God. And so just those five minutes in the morning of setting my mind on receiving from Jesus really can make a giant difference. And you think in your mind, like I'm a busy mom or I'm a student or I've got a ton going on. If only I had like a week retreat, you think you need right. more time. And the truth is sometimes five minutes can make all the difference. I've learned that this year.
0: Isn't it? Well, and I love that because that was that's the good girl tendency is yeah. we have all these expectations of what quiet time should look like. It has to be quiet. Well, right. Sometimes it's not. It has to be an hour. You know, Jesus said, yes. Can you not tarry with me an hour? And we're like, right.
1: oh, no. oh. an hour.
0: The power of five minutes, the power of just inviting God into our day rather than trying to find this little segment of our day. And so sure. beautiful. I love that. Just, just saying here I am. <laughs> That's so yes. beautiful. That's so beautiful. What would you say to that woman who just feels so caught in the do that she has to do more and be more. And, and maybe there is a level of guilt or shame or of shame that maybe, um, she needs to ask the Lord about. Um, I don't know. I don't know what the needs of the women are on the other side of the screen, Mm -hmm. but
1: what would you, what would you just say to that woman who just feels a little bit stuck? Well, you know, I think one thing we can know about her need is that she longs to be loved. She longs to be accepted. She longs to know that she has value and she longs to know she belongs. Yeah. And all of those needs are met in the person of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I think the more we can get present to his presence around us and within us, whatever that looks like for you in this season of life, mm-hmm. it's letting, giving yourself permission to know that it does, it might not look like your sister's way. It might not look right. like your mother's way or your friend's way, but it can look like your way and that your friend, Jesus is your kind companion mm-hmm. in every ordinary moment. I think that's um, something that we can often, you know, we maybe are waiting for like a mountaintop thing right. or we wait. We're, or maybe we're in a really deep, dark place. And it's a hard sort of a dark night of the soul time. And you're not quite sure you can't see up for down. And um, I think we're all in, in different various places and some of us are just sort of in the everyday regular. Right. And I'm learning that most of life doesn't happen in brightness or in darkness mm-hmm. but just in the medium light of a regular day. And it's in those regular moments where Jesus wants to meet us. And so if we are in those dark spots or if we are in those mountaintop places to continue to look out for those regular places that's yeah. where he shows up. It's he's with us in the darkness and the brightness and in the regular. And the more I'm aware of his presence in those moments um, it it doesn't, it doesn't always feel different, but in my, in my spirit, I'm learning to believe that it is different because he's with me.
0: Yes. Oh, I love that. I love that so much. Well, I so appreciate you being with us. This has been so rich. You're going to have to come back and visit because I I know we've just kind of scratched the surface, but would you just pray over our girls, those those women out there, good girls and bad girls and and girls, all of us just in need of grace, would you pray for us? I'd be happy
1: to. Father, thank you for every heart represented who is listening today. Thank you, and you know each one by name, whether they're listening um, close to when we record this or if they're listening years later, you know and you have a plan. Father, I pray that we would all dare to believe the truth about ourselves, no matter how beautiful it is, and that we would trust that you are with us in the darkness and the brightness in every ordinary moment, and that we would... um, in the deepest part of who we are, where you live with, with us and within us, that we would begin to live out of that place and realize that our goodness and your greatness and everything that is within us comes out of us because of you. Amen. I thank you so much for your great love in your name. Amen. Amen. Amen.
0: Thank you so much, Emily. And thank you so much for joining us. To learn more about Emily and her books, go to emilypfreeman.com. And while you're there, sign up for her free audio devotional called Seven Days of Still Moments. And I hope you'll join us next time here on the Having a Merry Heart podcast with Joanna Weaver.